Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rot Podcast. This is episode nine, Literature as Worship, with Karen Swallow Pryor. Um, I am so uh, enthusiastic about this episode um, of the Rob Podcast. Uh, we really got to sat, sit down and uh, go over some really cool things uh, pertaining to um, God's will, his calling, how that relates to our lives uh, and timing um, and our merit and our work um, for that and, and within that. And uh, so I'm incredibly excited as just to listen to her heart uh, behind um, literature and teaching, uh, but also reading and writing. Um, and so anyway, Dr. Pryor is someone that uh, you may not recognize her immediately uh, from being a professor at Liberty. She is um, a current English professor um, at Liberty University. She has been for 21 years, and this is her last semester here. Uh, and then she's moving away to um, another position elsewhere. But uh, if you don't recognize her there, you may recognize some of the places where her writing appears. Uh, in addition to having several books out, um, she also has opinion pieces about culture and ideas uh, that you know appears all over the world, really. Um, some of her writing appears at Christianity Today, uh, The Atlantic, Atlantic, the Washington Post, uh, Vox, uh, Think Christian, the Gospel Coalition, uh, and Books and Culture, as many as you know, dozens of other places as well. She's also written forwards for newer editions of C.S. Lewis books. Um, so she is definitely um, incredibly gifted in that aspect um, and talented, you know, in the you know industry of uh, literature and writing and reading. But what's more than that, perhaps, is her faithfulness um, to God through this and uh, how she, you know, feels about that and what she, you know, thinks um, in regard to, to faith. And so I'm incredibly excited to uh, sit down with her for this episode and uh, just really talk about it. Um, and so without further ado, welcome to episode nine uh, with Dr. Pryor. Hello, everyone listening. Welcome back to the Rot Podcast. I am here with Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor. Um, Dr. Pryor, thank you so much uh, just for being on. Thanks for having me in this time <laughs> of quarantine. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I want to get started by uh, saying that I think a lot of people, um, you know, part of Liberty Culture, maybe not even uh, just because of your platform and reach in years past, um, they might recognize you as a face or as um, an author, a writer, a professor, but not know much, you know, beyond that. Um, so before we get into anything, um, if you wouldn't mind, just explain like, just a little bit of your background and your upbringing, like what has, you know, what got you to your position uh, here at Liberty? Sure. Um, I was blessed to be raised in a Christian home and accepted Jesus when I was uh, very young and was raised in the church, um, but didn't really understand how to integrate my faith and my intellect until really until I was in graduate school um, studying English, um, which is something that I always loved. And so it was through that process of being in grad school um, and uh, being in a good church and being introduced to biblical worldview at that time that I started to put together my love for literature and my love for Christ and the church. And so by the time I finished my PhD and went out on the job market, I was interested in Christian education. I'd never um, gone to a Christian school myself. And uh, so I uh, saw an ad 
that Liberty posted in the Chronicle of Higher Education and was familiar with Liberty a little bit because our um, my, the pastor who had married my husband and me was a Liberty grad. And so we had some familiarity with the school. And um, so I answered the ad, uh, applied and was hired and came in 1999. Awesome. Wow, that's like 21 years ago. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's my understanding also that um, you're leaving. This is your last semester as a, as a professor here. Um, I know this is kind of a crazily like weighted question, but um, like what has changed like in the culture from, you know, 1999 to, to now? Wow. Yeah, that's uh, a lot. Has I don't want to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's funny because even though I feel like so much has changed and it has, I also have colleagues who've been at Liberty for like 30 and 40 years. And so they've seen even more changes, but yeah, uh, yeah I would say, I mean, at, at Liberty, obviously, a, a lot of the change has been in the growth. Um, one of the big, big changes in the culture at Liberty is just like the change in the dress code. When I came, yeah, in, sure. uh, the girls had to wear dresses and skirts and the guys had to wear shirts and ties. That seems like, I don't know, that seems like caveman times now. <laughs> um, and yeah, so the school has grown a lot. Um, it's changed. Uh, I mean, its central mission hasn't changed, but I think some of its approach um, has in terms of having so many programs. Um, it reflects a lot of the changes going on in higher education now. Uh, less of an emphasis on the liberal arts and humanities and more on, you know, career and, um, mm -hmm. and jobs, which is just, you know, kind of necessary with the state of everything today. Um, so it's it's been there have been a lot of changes. I've seen a lot. It's it's been good. I thought I would never leave. I just thought I would stay at Liberty forever. That it was not in my plan to leave. But um, you know, I had a really amazing opportunity come to me, and um, it seemed like it would be disobedient to the Lord to turn it down. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so just kind of getting into uh, just your work as um, an author and and, and a writer. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, just kind of emphasize, like, I really appreciate just the way that um, you kind of approach that, approach that, um, like, within your career. Uh, you've said before that it's not what one reads, but uh, but how, and that's really what cultivates virtue. Um, and then also that the assessment of characters, whether it be albeit fictional or non-fictional, um, that is what builds character. Um, and, you know, and that's that's actually, it's really incredible and in, in how that... Um, really parallels a vision. And I just like to, could you like just speak into that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, this idea of how we read is something that's been developing um, in my thinking over really the, just the past several years, it hasn't been that long um, because I think in the past several years, most of us have become sort of immersed in digital media and um, even with Twitter and Facebook, um, most of us are probably reading a lot, whether it's just news feeds or, you know, we click on articles and skim them. So, so we are reading a lot, but those habits of reading that most of us are engaging in, reading quick things, reading in a skimming fashion, in a superficial way, uh, actually is diminishing the other sort of mental muscles it takes to read deeply and to read reflectively. So, when I talk about reading well, I mean not just um, reading good things instead of, you know, superficial clickbait things, but sure. also reading refl reflectively and slowly. Um, that's a practice. I mean, I find myself struggling with it 
my, you know, because even though I'm a lifelong reader and lover of books, um, the more time I spend on, on social media, the harder it is for me to pay attention to, um, to more reflective reading. So I think we're all struggling with that and we need to recognize that um, it is a different kind of practice. It takes different mental skills to read that way. And so we have to realize that all reading is not equal and uh, be intentional about the kind of reading that we do that's slower, more reflective and deeper. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like, like how you said that, you know, that the culture we're now um, is like a digital age. It's like a clickbait culture, as you were saying. It's, um, I think that everything is demanding our attention. Um, mm. And so it, I think that it requires more discipline to um, train ourselves to exercise those mental muscles to read, you know, deeper, you know, rather than um, just kind of skimming like, like what you're saying. And I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. And then kind of moving along um, just to um, your writing. Uh, how did that start? Like, I, I understand that you've had, you know, incredible like writings and in, in show up in, you know, places all over, um, you know, in the years past and you have three books. Um, so like what made you start? Is it something that you'd always been interested in or is it something that kind of just happened or, or walk us a little bit through that? Well, I've always loved the world of words and really that's first and foremost as a reader. Um, I have loved reading since I learned to read, um, which was right around the time I you know, accepted Jesus as my savior. So they kind of go together for me, I guess. I've always loved reading, always loved words and, and dabbled in writing when I was young and in college. Um, but it really wasn't, I, I mean, I didn't uh, set out to be a writer. Um, even the writing that I've done has been second to my career and calling as a teacher and professor and my writing comes out of that and so I don't think that I really could write if I weren't first a reader and second a teacher um, because even the kind of writing that I do is is pretty teacherly um, you know it's <laughs> instructive whether it's in my books or even in the essays that I write um, that are you know opinion and argument sure. um, and not so much creative writing yeah absolutely um yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Um, it appears as though, like through, um, like whatever, like writing elements, whether it be like narrative or, or composition or, or structure or whatever it may be, through your books, through your you know opinion pieces that you have out, um, and especially through your books, it, it you aim to appeal to those that um, like aren't typically like in that you know crowd of literature lovers of um, you know like like people that love, you know, reading books and diving deep like that. Um, especially in your, in your first book, I believe it was. Um, so I just want to ask, I guess, why is this a strategy of yours? Is that like purposeful or, and like, if so, like, like why, like what's the, like why with the emphasis in that, in that area? That's a really good question. I'm not sure anyone's <laughs> ever asked me that. So congratulations. <laughs> I've done a lot of podcasts and I like how you ask that question, especially um, even as a student, I think you offer some insights and perspective into your questions that maybe others don't have. Um, and I would have to say that really, um, no, this was not something that I set out to do. Okay. I actually, the first book that I published was based on my dissertation. Um, it's just the kind of book that no one ever reads. It's just in libraries. Um, that It's a scholarship. And I actually imagined myself being doing more of that kind of writing. That's what I wanted to do when I uh, finished my PhD and went into teaching. I thought I would contribute more 
um, to scholarly journals and so forth, which I do, um, but not as much as I thought that I would. This door that has opened for me has been natural and organic and providential. I think it arises from the fact that I teach so many students less now than when I first started teaching, but I teach so many students who don't love literature, you know, freshmen yeah. and sophomores who are just taking um, English classes because they have to. So it's just part, it's just part of who I am and um, the experiences that I have in introducing people to literature. Um, and so I think my books just grow organically out of that teaching experience. And it's, and those are the doors that I believe the Lord has opened for me. Um, it's a way that I'm, I can serve the church with my gifts and passions. And it's not something that I ever really thought would happen that way, but I'm so grateful and excited that it has. Yeah, no, I really like that, that um, just the idea of that's something that's unique to you almost like, um, especially just with this is kind of like an opportunity for I guess, you know, more so, you know, in years past when you have been, you know, when you were teaching more students, but um, this is like, it's an opportunity that you have that you're teaching classes that students aren't like wanting to take, they're taking it because they have to. And, you know, because of that, you know, for a lot of your students in years past, it's, um, I think that's a really cool opportunity for you to, you know, pour into them with, you know, your love of literature and inspire them to also. Yeah, I mean, my life verse comes from uh, Proverbs. It's the, it's the verse that says the mind of man um, prepares his way, but the Lord directs his or plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And yeah. I think that, you know, given the sort of mission and aim of your program where you talk about putting feet to your action, I yeah. think, you know, we are supposed to plan our way, but we also need to leave room for the Lord to do things in a way that we might never have imagined and just be faithful. And he will open doors that, that maybe not weren't the ones that we imagined or the ones that we even wanted um, for ourselves, but it's much better to allow him to, to bless our gifts in our way than for us to, you know, plow our own way through. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And um, I guess let's take that a little bit further, if you will, with um, just kind of this idea of, you know, with your, um, you know, your plan, you know, right now, as it, as it is this semester uh, to leave Liberty and to move on, um, to, and it's something that you, you know, weren't necessarily expecting would happen. Um, how does that just kind of relate to, you know, where you are right now in this season? Yeah, I mean, that's, it's a place for me to really trust the Lord, um, because I do see it as something that's his calling and his leading. And it's actually a little bit scary to me because I don't like change. I like yeah. things <laughs> to just be the same. Um, and yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've trusted him long enough to know that he is faithful and trustworthy. And so I just, I just have to trust him and, um, and know that, you know, even if I don't uh, order my steps in exactly the perfect way, he will, he's, you know, good enough and powerful enough to, to work it all together um, for good, according to his calling and purpose. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, um, I think, you know, our biggest, you know, measures of, of growth happen outside of our comfort. Um, and just kind of taking that a step further, I think that, you know, it is scary because it's changed, but at the same time, we're trusting that he is who he has been in the past. Um, because if that's true, then, you know, we, you know, necessarily shouldn't have anything to worry about, although it is scary. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, moving parts that are not certain to us. Um, if we're confident that he is who he has been, um, you know, then that looks a lot differently, you know, to, to someone else than, you know, than it does to us in our personal journey. Um, 
but yeah, I guess. Uh, and I would just add too, especially to, you know, that's all right to, to you and other students who might be listening. Um, I think a lot of times there's impatience and we think that we're supposed to be out there doing what God wants us to do like now or the year we graduate or whatever. And, um, you know, so I, I've been on this path um, for 30 years. And if this is where the Lord was taking me all this time, um, then, you know, it might have, it, it may have taken 30 years to get there and I would never have, you know, known where it would end up. And so, um, sometimes we know, I mean, we do know he has a calling in our life. And even if we think we know what it is, we need to remember that, um, it might not always be a straight path there. And sometimes it might take some years and that's okay. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much just for that insight. Um, I think that, you know, especially as young people, which is most of the audience of this podcast, it's, you know, that gets in our head of like, you know, somehow, somehow our, like, you know, our overdrive is dependent on, you know, like where we end up and it has something to do with God's calling. And sometimes like, as you're saying, um, you know, that's not the case. Um, I really appreciate that. I guess. So one last question I have, um, you know, before we, um, end it off here is what would you tell the person? And I ask this of all of my guests, and that is, what would you tell the person that's listening to this right now? And, you know, they're inspired and, you know, they're dreaming dreams, but like they don't know where their next steps are. Like they don't know tangibly what that looks like. Um, maybe they're passionate about writing or, you know, being an author or, or being a teacher or literature. Um, what would you tell that person that you know doesn't know what their next steps are? They don't know where to go. Well, I would repeat that favorite verse of mine, Uh, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And so you need to keep planning and you need to keep working and you need to do good work um, and know that God will bless that, but it may not be in the timing that you imagine or in exactly the direction that you imagine. You just need to be faithful and patient and trust him. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much just for your time and for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. It was fun.